Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Uh, So today we have the honor of hearing from Carrie LaRock. She currently leads a small group here at the church with her husband, as well as co-leads women's ministry. What I have learned about Carrie is that she is always up for an adventure, whether it be purely for fun or for growth or for a challenge. She exudes the friendship of Jesus by drawing people in and creating community in really amazing ways. She shows the heart of the Father by pursuing people, taking the time to make sure people know that they are noticed, seen, and loved by her. I am so honored to call her a good friend. Let's welcome Carrie LaRock. Thank you. After that, I don't really need to introduce myself. You all know all about me. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, I'm super excited to get to be here today. Yeah, I get to talk about the book of 1 John, which is often called the love book, um, which actually took on a whole different spin than I thought it was going to. So here, we're excited. So let's chat about it. Uh, The the book of 1 John, there's going to be a lot of assumed in this next few sentences because we actually don't know a whole heck of a lot about 1 John, who was written by or where it came from. So hey, but it's in the Bible, so it's got to be good. First uh, John is written, assumed to be written by the Apostle John, but we don't really know for sure, and we don't exactly know who it was written to, but we assume that it was written to um, the churches surrounding Ephesus, just based on the way it was written, the language that was used, and the time that it was assumed to be written. Um, it was written, they assume that it was also written by John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John, mostly because the, the language he uses as well would post it written about uh, 90 AD, which was also when first the Gospel of First John was written, and also would put it that he would be during his exile on Patmos. So it's a little bit about what we kind of know about the book of First John and where it came from. Um, one of the biggest reasons that we, they go with the assumption that it was written by John is partly because he opened uh, the book uh, stating that we saw it and we heard it, and now we are telling you so that you can experience it along with us. And what he is referencing is um, Jesus. We saw his life. We heard what he said. We saw what he did, and we were part of it, and we experienced fellowship with him. Um, So the big thing there for me especially was that his motive for writing this book was simply to say, I had fellowship with Jesus, and it was amazing, and it gave me so much joy. Jesus might be gone from the earth, but he's not gone. You also get to have fellowship with Jesus, and you get to experience the same joy that I experience walking with him every single day, hearing him talk, that you get to have that same kind of relationship. And also, for me to see you as the churches and the believers surrounding where I'm at right now, um, that would give me the most joy, that I could encourage you to experience that relationship with him. So I decided that I wanted to find out what that looked like because I definitely want to have that. And lucky for us, John actually puts it in very simple terms exactly how we get to have that relationship with Jesus. And it's super easy, and it's also super hard. 
because it means that we have a lot of work to do if we really want that for ourselves. But it's simple. Um, first, uh, the first thing that he talked about was in 1 John 2, verse 4 to 6. Um, and it says, if we claim to know him well, but don't keep his commands, we're lying to God and to ourselves. And anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Um, just give me one sec here. So basically what he's saying is, figure out how Jesus lived. Figure out kind of what I've asked you as my commands and obey them. Model his life. And thankfully for us, we have a lot of examples of how Jesus lived and how he showed up. Um, all the Gospels, basically almost his entire life, um, well, okay, minus like, I don't know, 20 years in between, is chronicled. To say this is how Jesus lived. This is how he showed up. This is how he invited people to be in relationship with him. And even how he himself took time to be in relationship with God the Father. So just looking at that, um, paying attention and looking into, digging into the Gospels, it shows us exactly what that looks like. Um, how we can model our life, how Jesus modeled his life, and how he invited other people in. Second thing um, is in 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. So I think that's fairly simple, but really, realistically, it's like the world has so many distractions and so many things that offer us comfort. But realistically, it's not, it often is an empty comfort. At the end of the day, like if I'm binging Netflix or, you know, like for me, a big one has often been like, oh, I'm feeling down or I'm feeling stressed or whatever, I'll go shopping. And like in the end of the day, it's like, it was fun while it lasted because it distracted me from what was going on in my life and it was difficult. But when it gets down to it, I don't feel any more fulfilled than I did before. And so he's saying all of these things in the world, whatever it looks like for you, that can be a distraction or that can be a comfort, something you go to to feel better or to be happy or to feel secure. If it doesn't have anything to do with Jesus or he's not in it, or we're not inviting him into it, then it's a distraction. And it's what's keeping us actually from having real fellowship with Jesus and real joy in our lives. The third one is First uh, John 3, verse 18 to 20. And he says, My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way that we'll know that we are really living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down uh, our debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts, and he knows more about us than we do ourselves. So this one for me, it looks like going outside of myself, um, putting other people's needs first, um, maybe taking care of ourselves for sure, um, but going outside of ourselves and offering love to others, showing up for other people, even when it's hard or when it's difficult. Um, and the things that we say are the things that we do and that people actually see us show up well for them. So with those things being said, the magic formula for coming into fellowship with Jesus appears to be find out how God asked us to live and how Jesus lived and work to model that. Then let go of the world, the opinions, the stuff, the things that keep us 
um, in our own selfishness and consumed with our own thinking about ourselves. And finally, just love others. Which to me, it's like, how many times has that been said? Hey, like Matthew 26, 36 to 40, I feel like these few verses actually just wrote 1 John already. It says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So really in Matthew, he's saying, one, love God. Find out, love God with everything that you've got. And two, love other people, which is everything that John is saying. How do we love God, and then how do we love people? So that's the one thing I want to focus on for the rest of our time this morning. You had my three-point sermon. Now we're moving on to something different. <laughs> um, but basically that the overarching theme of First John, the idea that if we don't love the people that we can see, how then can we love a God who we can't see? It's not, um, it's not all up to us. Doing this is like a partnership with Jesus. Because the first two things that we look at, like it's about, they have things to do about ourselves. You know, like we need to work on ourselves and figure out in ourselves, um, what does it look like for me to model Jesus? What does it look like for me to do my life as he did his life? And that's something that we have to decide for ourselves. We can't do without Jesus. We have to partner with him, but we have to figure that out. It's something that we do in ourselves. The second thing is letting go of the world. We're figuring out what are the distractions? What are the comforts that we have in the world? And we have to be willing to partner with Jesus to let them go, which is a hard thing because they're comfortable for a reason. Um, but the third thing is totally going outside of ourselves. It's like letting ourselves show up for other people instead of showing up for ourselves. Letting ourselves be so present with other people and be willing and excited to do that. I think it's not easy either. I think it's easy to have a heart that really wants to do that. It's easy to have a heart that really wants to love other people. I think sometimes it's also easy to show up because we're choosing to show up, but not because we actually feel like we want to. Or because we have a duty. I don't know if anyone's ever felt like they have a duty to show up. Um, but um, I think those are things that they make it actually, it can be kind of difficult to do. Um, so I find that especially for us to, for those people in our lives that we personally find it very difficult to love. We all have that. We all have people in our lives where it's, it's, it's someone that comes into your life that's it's just difficult to love or it's difficult to show up. And you're like, oh man, this conversation again. Um, we all have that and it looks different. It's a different person in our lives or a different type of person in our lives every time. And so when I think about how do we show up for them, I think we have to kind of flip that first statement of how do we love people who we can see when we... Uh, oh, sorry, now I lost it. It's okay, it happens. If we don't love people we can see, how do we love a God who we cannot see? To say that in order to truly love the people that we can see, I think we first have to truly fall in love with God who we can't actually see. Um, and it's only in this fellowship with Jesus that John talked about in the first chapter of 1 John that we can truly learn how to love others well and how to feel that love for them, how to have it come a lot more naturally than to just choose to show up. Um, something like a question I have is, how many of you guys here, and I mean, you can raise your hand online, I won't see it, but give her, um, have ever heard God audibly, like you've heard him audibly speak to you in some way? Put your hand up. Okay, there's a few. How many of you have ever seen him physically? Less, but still. <laughs> but like, even for that, there's not very many people 
um, of the group here, I would say probably like a tenth put their hand up for those of you watching online. Um, and for them too, it's probably not often that they have heard him speak audibly. Um, and not many people have seen him. But at the same time, God is there. And he is still present. And even in that, when we don't see him or hear him physically every single day, we still get to have that same relationship as if he were here in person with us. And that reminds me, I'm just reminded of my, I was reminded of my little sister when I was thinking about this. Um, growing up, she had an imaginary friend who she called Whippy. Whippy came with us everywhere that we went. And I remember her watching run across the yard playing games with Whippy, talking to her, engaging with her. I remember the times that we were pulling out of the driveway and we would hear the scream from the back of the seat like, no, oh, you can't leave, Whippy's not here yet. And so my parents would stop the car and open the sliding door and we would all wait for Whippy to get in the car. I had very patient parents, um, something I can learn from them. <laughs> but um, I just love this because as a kid, she was able to freely engage the friend that she couldn't see and a friend that she couldn't hear. And I look at it, and it's like the simplicity of childhood. Things don't have to be right in front of us to be able to believe in them. They don't have to be right in front of us to be able to engage with them. And I thought about that and how God can be so similar, that most of the time we can't physically see him or audibly hear him, but he is there, and he's inviting us to know him, to take him with us wherever we go in the simple parts of our lives. And so just as my sister invited Whippy along on all of her adventures and all our family errands, so God desires to have us invite him along and engage with him in a similar way, to play, to talk, to know him, and to be known. And it's only that when we do this that we can learn to truly let go of the world and let go of what the world wants to offer us and embrace what Jesus has for us and learn to love fully and experience the joy that John talks about as he speaks. As I said before, loving others isn't always an easy task especially truly loving them, even the fake loving where we just choose to show up or we do it because we feel like we have to, isn't easy either. Letting a, a, let alone laying down a, our lives for them, um, which John 15:13 talks about greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. And I know that I want that. Like, I, I want to be able to do that. I want to feel like that, that I can lay down my life for my friends. Do I? No. There's not very many friends in my life that I feel like, yeah, I'd rather die instead of you. Let's do it. If you're going to die or, you know, especially because I'm a mom now. I have three kids. Like, I have a responsibility to show up for them. Um, and at the same time, I, we look at this, the people that are hard for us to love. It's like, well, I, you know, I especially don't want to die for them. Um, that's way harder. And I thought about that, and I... And I thought like, but man, do I want to be able to do that if that's what Jesus wants for me, to have that selflessness? Because when I feel that, I also have this like tension and this anxiety inside of me that's like, oh, no, I don't because I'm being selfish. And I feel that selfishness that like, I don't feel like I am free to love others well. And not just about laying down my life for them, but I know that it's so much more than that. There's just so much selfishness in me that's like, but I want to do what I want or, or feel what my needs are. You know, or it's awkward sometimes to go out of your way. Or it's awkward to do some of the things that Jesus asked. Sometimes even I can think, you know what, there's people in my life that are difficult to love. And sometimes I think it's because, you know, I'm just not called to them. Somebody else is called to them. And they're actually going to do a better job of loving them. So I'm actually maybe doing them a favor instead. And, like, honestly, I cringed so hard when I wrote that, when I first realized that that's how I was feeling because it's just, it felt like that's true. That's how I feel sometimes. And at the same time, it felt like awful. 
that it's like there are people in this world that need to be loved so desperately. All of us do, but like especially that show up and ask me to love them or that Jesus puts in front of me and says, love this person. And I'm like, no, someone else can do a better job or no, that's just not for me right now. And the fact that like that's, that is naturally where I can go sometimes. And this is especially hard because I have experience of being one of those people that were hard to love. That was like my whole elementary and most of junior high, you know, having experiences where it was like, you all get to pick your own groups. And I was so excited because I was included in the group of seating arrangements. And the next day the teacher calls me to his desk and said, hey, you and this guy, they actually asked that you wouldn't be in their group. So you guys can form your own little island over here, you know, and it's devastating because you're actually, you're being rejected, like visibly, and someone else is letting them go along with it who's supposed to protect you. You know, or in, or in grade six, where a girl comes up and says, hey, we can be secret friends, but it has to be secret. I'll be your friend, but it has to be secret friends because all the other girls will be upset with me, you know, if I'm your friend. And like things like that, that happened. Like it wasn't just my perceived rejection, it was my reality. And I'm so grateful because as a kid, like Jesus protected me so much in that. Like it just rolled off my shoulder, honestly. Even my mom says the same thing. Like, oh, well, whatever, fine, I'll find someone different. What I didn't realize at the time was the significance of how that was shaping me as I became an adult. And moving through life, realizing that, um, like I would put up boundaries in relationships, like, you know, I wouldn't get too close because if I get too close, then I've let some of myself out there and then they could shut me down again and I'll just get hurt again, you know? Um, different things like that. I put up all sorts of walls in relationships without even realizing it. Um, and what happens with that is that I don't let people get close to me then, so then I don't let people love me well, you know, because I just assume that they don't want to anyways, because that's been my experience, you know. I'm there when it's fun, but someone better is going to come along, so why put in the effort? And at the same time, it means that I don't get to love people well either, and I don't get to show up and give them the gift of myself that Jesus has for them. And I realize now that in my own pain and hurt, I was going and looking for the people that I wanted to fit in with because I wanted to prove to myself that I was fun and I was, you know, able to be accepted and I was significant or important or cool or whatever it was. And in doing that, that when someone shut up in front of me who was trying to love me well or who needed to be loved or wanted to be loved, I wasn't present. I would be trying to get away because I was missing out, you know, or to the corner of my eye, the people that I wanted to be included with talking or laughing and feeling like I'm missing out, like I got to get over there, I got to end this conversation, you know. And so I operated out of my own unhealed pain and woundedness, and in doing so, I did to others the very thing that I never wanted somebody else to experience, because I know how that feels and I knew how that felt. And yet, I allowed myself to do that, sometimes without even realizing it, um, because I wasn't dealing with my own stuff. So I had to ask myself three questions that I'm going to ask you guys. One was, who are the people that are hard to love in my own life? Like, who are those people? And I had to name it and call it out. I had to let myself go there. Um, and then I had to ask myself, why are they hard to love? And realizing that most of it was coming out of like something in my own life, my own pain, my own wounding, something that had happened to me was why it was really hard to love these people. Because either I recognized something that mirrored back to me um, 
or I just wasn't allowing myself to be present. And the third question is, what would it look like for you to love them or to be able to love them like Jesus does? What does that look like? Um, so the worship band is going to sing a song called Behold, then sings my soul by Hillsong. And I just want to give you guys some space to really think about that. Who in your life do you find it difficult to love? A type of people, a group of people, a single person specific. Why? Why, why is it hard for you to show up? And then what would it look like for you? if all of those walls came down and it was actually just felt easy and it felt joyful and you had that freedom. There's a couple words in the song that really spoke to me and that's why I asked him to do this song. One was forsaken for all mankind. Salvation is in his blood. Jesus the Messiah, the righteous, died for love. Psalm 139 just talks about, I formed you, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I made you so on purpose that every single cell of your body I actually put together on purpose. And Jesus died for every single person on this earth, everyone. And when we treat anybody as somebody who's difficult to love or who we don't want to be around, we are acting opposite to his will and to his love. And John says that when we do this, we actually can't be in the love of the Father, that we actually don't know God at all because God is the epitome of love. Above all things, God is love. And so if we are not operating in love, then how can we know God at all? Like I said, it's very simple, the things that he's asking of us, but it's also very difficult. But we aren't alone and at least five times, I think more in First John, he talks about the Holy Spirit and the significance of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a friend and a gift that is given to us, that he is the one who, you know, that check in your spirit, you know, he's the conscience in your head when you feel like something's not right, or maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like he's that check that tells you, like, walk this way. I know the truth. This is the truth. And so, um, in this song, too, it talks about, Behold, I have a friend, my ever-present help, speaking truth when I can't find it. O Holy Spirit, breathe in me, thy kingdom come. And so I know for me, when someone is difficult for love, especially a specific person standing in front of me, sometimes I just feel so frustrated or so angry or so stressed that it's like, in this moment, I can't. Like, I don't even feel like I know how to shift how I'm feeling. I don't know how to walk away from this feeling and show up well. Like, I'm just so emotional about this. And this just tells me I don't have to. That the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to speak truth when I can't find it. That he's going to be the one that says, you know, just take a break. Go somewhere else and breathe for a few minutes. Or say this. Or try this. But there's going to be truth that comes from the Holy Spirit when I invite him in to be part of this in my life. So I just, um, yeah, want to give you guys some space to think about that. Um, and just finally, as you're thinking about that too, because sometimes the person that's actually the hardest to love in your life is yourself. And just remember that if you have ever felt like you are the person that's hard to love, if someone has ever made you feel like you are the person that's hard to love, I just want you to know that Jesus sees you and he loves you. And he made you on purpose and that you have a purpose. So they're just going to play and we'll just take a little bit of time.
I just really, really just want to encourage you and just hope. And my prayer for you is that you really believe that. You can actually feel that, how Jesus loves you and how he loves other people, and that that becomes a real, tangible feeling for you. It is significant that you have boundaries in relationships, and it's significant that you do take care of yourself, but I think that we often have way more capacity than we give ourselves credit for. Way more capacity than we give ourselves credit for. And that often shows up when we take care of ourselves and when we have boundaries in place. Um, I have a, uh, a three-year-old, three-and-a-half, and his name is Henry. And um, every morning when he wakes up, obviously we're going to have breakfast, but he comes into my room, Mom, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Oh, okay, Henry. Yeah, of course you're hungry. Well, let's make breakfast. What do you want? How does Frosted Flakes sound? Oh, yeah, Frosted Flakes are great. They're great for me. They're the favorite thing that I ever wanted, um, which is Henry's phrase. Everything is the favorite thing that I ever wanted. Um, okay, so let's have Frosted Flakes. The next day he'll wake up. Mom, I'm so hungry every day. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Okay, uh, about, what about oatmeal? How we have oatmeal and, and, and raisins and stuff. Yeah, Mom, that sounds great. Oatmeal is the favorite thing that I ever wanted. The next day he'll wake up and like without fail, what do you want? Yeah, okay. How about we do pancakes and strawberries? I love pancakes and strawberries. Pancakes and strawberries are the favorite thing that I ever wanted. This is every day. This is so many things for Henry. But like breakfast is his favorite. He loves it and everything is his favorite. And so I just want you to know and I just want to encourage you and to think about what would it look like if when someone showed up in front of us, we were able to look at them and say, no matter who it was, no matter when it was, you are the favorite thing that I ever wanted. You are the favorite thing that I ever wanted, that you could allow yourself to just pause and be present in that moment and give them that. Because that's how Jesus is seeing them. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter where they're coming from or where they're at in their life. Is that they're showing up in front of him and he's like, you're here. You're here. Amy, you're the favorite thing that I ever wanted. I'm so glad you're here. Brian, you're the favorite thing that I ever wanted. I'm so glad that you're here, that you're talking to me, that we get to spend time together. It doesn't matter if they're, if like they're in the, the depths, you know, walking the valley. They're still the favorite thing that he ever wanted. You are the favorite thing that he ever wanted. What would it look like to show up to yourself and say, I'm the favorite thing? I'm the favorite thing that he, that he made, that he ever wanted. And I'm the favorite thing that I ever wanted. And I just encourage you today to show up for yourself and for other people with that in mind. To love people the way that Henry loves breakfast. You know? And to really be able to believe that that's truth. And that that's really how Jesus sees you and sees other people. This message isn't just about loving others, but it's also about realizing how much you yourself are loved. And so I just... As we close, just bless you this week to be able to do that, to be able to remind it every single day how much Jesus loves you and how much he loves the people around you and that he has given you the capacity to show up and to show up well and that you have the Holy Spirit that when you don't really know how, just ask and invite him in. And I just bless you to just have a freedom in your relationships and just a peace in your relationships to know that, you know, God is around it and he's in it. And you don't have to try. You don't have to make something happen. You just have to invite him in. 
Worship team um, is going to play this song one more time, and then you guys will be dismissed. And I just invite you to sing and to just claim these words as your own. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.